Hello, and welcome to the My Messy Church podcast. Each week, we'll be going through your questions from the weekend services and doing our best to present answers from a biblical perspective. If you haven't yet listened to the weekend sermon, I want to encourage you to head over to curtislake.org backslash media for context of what we will be discussing today. We love getting your questions and cannot wait to grow together. So without further ado, let's dive into My Messy Church. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to the My Messy Church podcast. Uh, For those of you that listen to all of these, if uh, you were expecting another part to our previous recording, this is the other part. Uh, We decided to keep the week separate. Uh, And so uh, the questions today are from a couple Sundays ago, uh, if you're paying attention to dates. uh, But basically, if you want to look at... uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that's kind of where we were. Uh, And it was really around this whole topic of uh, people in the church bringing lawsuits against other people in the church and bringing those lawsuits out into the world of the courts, um, which was creating all kinds of problems. And and so we were really talking about the Christian ethic of non-retaliation because Paul, you know, he, on the one hand, you know, certainly, you know, accused the person that would perpetrate a wrong against another person, uh, like th- that they were, they were wrongdoer and, and were guilty of the kind of wickedness you would have expected from somebody that is not a follower of Jesus to be, uh, to be capable of. And, and so is telling them that, you know, they can't do that. They can't be like that, obviously. Uh, but then also to the person that was, you know, perhaps, uh, defrauded in some way or taken advantage of, uh, Paul almost seems to suggest that it would be better for them to, instead of retaliating and, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, kind of, um, like go after this person in a court of law to just suffer the wrongdoing. Um, and yeah, it's kind of tough stuff, crazy. It's a crazy way to think and to believe, but uh, but there's, there's really something in the ethic of Christianity that suggests that that's kind of the, um, the direction that we ought to go to when it comes to conflict that we experience in our lives. So anyway, that just sets a little bit of the background for that. Um, so we're going to get into the questions and, uh, I got to get to, I got to get to the right page here cause I need to be able to read the questions. So give me one second. All right, here I am. All right, uh, first question is, have verses one through six been twisted to hide bad behavior in the church, like scandals? How do we make sure that the truth comes to light when there is significant harm? So, yeah, I suppose, obviously, you can take what is being taught here and completely wit, you know, warp and twist it into something that Paul never intended, which is uh, certainly not to cover things up, right? That's That's one of the things he was kind of dealing with in the previous chapter. Um, not so much that they were even covering up something or trying to keep it quiet. They, they just weren't doing anything about it. But the, uh, the practical application of that is that the church has a responsibility of dealing with its business uh, in a way that honors God and honors people and honors the kingdom of Jesus. And certainly hiding or suppressing the truth about something is, is not at all the uh, ideal uh, that we should be going after. Like bad behavior has to be dealt with. And uh, we kind of looked in the lab, last podcast, the, like the extent of communication that might be necessary depending on the, 
the scope of influence that a particular person might have had. Uh, like I had given the example that if I was guilty of some wrongdoing, the way that I ought to be, the way that ought, that matter ought to be handled, and the, the 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 extent of communication that ought to go out is much more significant than it would be for. Uh, somebody else that maybe has uh, just a, a very small little bit of influence. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so let, yeah, let's not, let's not twist. Um, let's not twist this to hide bad behavior. Um, how do we make sure the truth comes to light when there is significant harm? I, I think the, the easy answer to that is we just, we need to be brutally honest, right? We need to own what, what, what might happen uh, and, and not have this attitude where the institution of the church is more important than the people inside the church, right? That's, that's usually where this thing goes really, really bad. Uh, uh, let, let, like, let's say, let's say there's some harm that's, that's being done, you know, some scandal that's occurring within a church and leadership is, uh, maybe leadership's a part of it, you know, or a, a leader is, a part of it, or even if it's not a leader, but leadership becomes aware of this, this thing. So the dilemma that they're, the, that they're going to have is this pressure to, to not want like, yeah, yeah. Like you don't want to be in the news, right? You don't want to be making headlines and, and all of a sudden have your church end up with a bad reputation in the community. And so that's where I think leaders can be tempted sometimes to try to like make the problem go away. Even if, if they try to do everything they can to, to deal with it, like, you know, remove this person from the possibility that they could ever do it again, say, do everything they could to come alongside uh, a person who's a victim of whatever the harm is, you know, but then otherwise, like, just, it's like, Hey, can we just, can we just try to deal with this, you know, as quietly as possible? I mean, that's, uh, I think that's terrible. I, that's just not the way to go. I, I get it. Like, I understand why you would feel the pressure to want to hide it. Cause again, you don't want, you don't want to have this stain on your rep, you know, on your reputation. Um, but I think what, what we need to do in an instance like that is we, we need to be brutally honest and we need to come completely clean and, and be transparent, especially if something like that were to happen and to weep and to grieve over it and, and to do, yes, do all the things like, um, move forward with whatever procedures need to be done, um, with regard to the person who created the offense. I mean, the fact is that sometimes people do criminal things and if somebody does something criminal, then we need to let the criminal justice system deal with that in a way that is appropriate. Right. And so, uh, if there's reporting that needs to be done, um, you know, because of, you know, some, uh, sexual abuse say, right? like we have, policies in place that, uh, we've got this place is this building is full, uh, of mandatory reporters who, if we become aware of, uh, something that is going on, uh, a kid tells, you know, any one of us something shares that with us. We can't, we can't keep that to ourselves. I could even, I could, I could have a kid tell me something and I don't believe it. And I still have the requirement to, um, to take the fact of what this kid has told me and kind of move it along and to, uh, you know, ultimately, yeah, start this process of, um, 
uh, of having that thing reconciled. And that's that, 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 that doesn't involve the church. And so what Paul's not saying is he's not saying, Hey, well, don't do that. You know, you know, we need to hide these things and like, don't let DHS know because that's a outside agency, a government agency. Um, I mean, that's, that's not at all what he's saying. A lot of what he was dealing with were, were these, like what we would describe as torts, right? These, um, these, these problems of like this, let's say property, um, and, and other things like that, that, that involve litigation and these grievances that a person would have uh, against another, um, you know, this person's they're 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 playing their drums too loud at night and my kids can't sleep and you take them to court right over that uh i mean i'm sure that's not exactly what was happening but some paul almost seems to dismiss the kinds of things that they were bringing one another to court for as being essentially uh something very very negligible so uh when we have things that are not negligible i mean we do we have to deal with them in the appropriate way and also in a way that is that is lawful i mean we do live our, i mean our church is not this this sovereign nation inside of a nation where we just get to do whatever we want uh we do have to live and abide to, uh, by the laws of the land um to the extent that they don't contradict god's laws um and this is not a like this is not a moral command <laughs> necessarily uh, this is this is uh, speaking to the way we treat one another uh, within the body of Christ. So, um, yeah, uh, brutal honesty, openness, transparency, own it, repent of it, um, figure out like where did the systems break down that allowed for something like whatever happened to happen in the first place and fix it, patch the holes, make it right, and then do everything you can. Uh, to ensure it will never happen again, uh, do everything you can to, to the extent possible, uh, try to, uh, to help the person who's, or the people who have been victimized by that thing. Um, but last thing you want to do is hide it. It's just, it, it's going to come out and it's going to, it's going to be known at some point. And when, when you've hidden it, uh, not only, not only have you just done the wrong thing, but like, there's a really good chance that you've only compounded the harm that was inflicted on a person. And obviously uh, that's, uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, second question, how do you take this and consider it in an abusive situation? So um, I think we kind of hit that. I mean, I, like what Paul's not asking us to do is suffer abuse, right? There's never, there's never this expectation that a person um, needs to subject themselves to a stronger person that is abusing them. Uh, so if, if, if a person is guilty of, uh, committing physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, like there's not this, there's not this requirement that as a Christian, I have to continue to subject myself to that. That's not the point. The point isn't when, when, when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, what he's, what he's not saying is that you have to like just plant your feet in concrete and stand there and take every single strike that comes your way. Like if you can get yourself out of a situation, get yourself out of a situation. If you can get help, get help, like find rescue. Uh, abuse should not be tolerated under any circumstances. 
um, what we were really kind of looking at is more the, the, the idea of retaliation, right? Like personal and retaliation of, of having this personal vendetta to get your way or to, um, to enact your own personal justice. When somebody does something that's abusive, like if, if it's, you know, somebody is criminally harming another person in, abuse, in an abusive way, then that person needs to be held accountable for that and be punished for it. And, and it's perfectly right and appropriate to seek justice uh, to be done in that regard. You know, what, what, would, what would not be right would be for me to like enact my own revenge on, you know, on that person, um, you know, as a, as a, as a way that to like sort of rebalance the scales and to rejustify what's been made wrong. Uh, same, same with, and you know, this, this kind of speaks to the attitude of our heart, but, uh, if I've been harmed by another person and then that person is, is in fact held to account and let's say, let's say some criminal proceedings occurred and that person was declared guilty and was required to go to jail or to pay a fine or something like that. What I would, what I would want is what I would hope for is a, is that I had a heart that instead of um, celebrating, um, with glee, the punishment that that person is undergoing. I, I would hope to have a heart that like grieved for the fact that that person had to be punished for what they had done, even, even in carrying my own pain for how I had been harmed in that. I think that's, um, I think that's oriented toward the way, uh, the way Jesus was when it came to people that accused him or treated him badly or ultimately crucified him. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, abuse needs to be dealt with. It, it needs to never be covered up. Uh, and certainly anybody that is a victim of abuse, um, needs to, needs to find help and get away from the situation as, as far as possible, not ever be put in a position where they're made to feel like to be a good Christian means to stand up and put up with that. All right. Next question is what about matters that are not with someone in the church? Are we to treat them the same? So I kind of mentioned in the message that like Paul wasn't specifically dealing with, uh, let's say I have a, a matter of what ultimately could be litigation between, you know, me and a, a non-believer. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it, it certainly, the, the possibility is there for me to, to, um, to go to a court and, and to have a matter dealt with, um, that, that, that exists between me and a non-believer. But I think that, I think the the principle still is the same. Is the same. In, in, in fact, I, I mean, I, uh, let me just be clear. I don't think that there is absolutely no such thing as a situation where a Christian and another Christian end up in a court of law. <laughs> like that, I mean, that'd be kind of, I think it'd be kind of silly to think that, okay, well, there's absolutely no situation whatsoever, no circumstance whatsoever where two Christians could end up in a court of law. Obviously there, like that could happen, especially given the fact that, you know, a lot of times, like we can talk about ourselves as being Christians and yet live very, very unchristianly. Right. So uh, again, like Paul's not trying to make this absolute statement. He's apparently like dealing with 
this this problem of culture within the body where they're 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 taking what things ought to be resolved within the like he didn't say don't resolve he didn't say don't resolve the matter right that would have been nonsense to just everybody just ignore that anything bad has happened what he's saying is that these 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 matters in particular he asked the question he says is there not somebody that's wise enough to stand as a judge in these matters can you really not find somebody within the church that can help to bring some resolution to this problem that's the question now are there certain things that 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 there's no the, the church is not equipped or has the authority to actually resolve between two people like if i if if i had two people in my church um two business owners and there was some particular matter that involved a you know a, 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 a what one is saying is a million dollars worth of harm that the other party is guilty of like what i expect that we're going to sit down and kind of go over the details and then ultimately I'm going to render a verdict and they need to abide by that. I mean, pretty, pretty slim chance that probably is going to happen. Like that's, that's something that most likely is going to end up in court. And that's unfortunate. We have to, and we have to own that when that does happen, that is, that that's a problem, right? Like the fact that uh, Christians have, you know, somehow treated each other in, 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 in such a terrible way that, um, that something would end up in court. Uh, but anyway, so whether it's a two Christians or a Christian and a non-Christian, the, there, there is an ethic that, that somehow we need to embrace a, a lot more within our lives. And that is this idea of being willing to suffer, um, uh, from the wrongdoing of another person toward us. And, and again, like, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about like violence um, that you just have to keep putting up with over and over again. It's it's more about like what do you do with this? What is the what is the retaliation? Um, what is it when it like let's say it's not even it's not physical abuse, but it's uh, it, it's a person who who hurls insults at you uh, either in front of other people or behind your back or online, um, uh, through social media. Like, what do you do with that? Do you just, do you retaliate and, and, and clean your reputation by making sure that the whole world knows that that person's a liar. And then you, you, you empty out all the garbage that you have on that person so that, uh, so that everything that they said can then be discounted. And now you're, you're restored back to, um, you, you know, your original reputation. See that I think would be, that'd be problematic. Like that would probably cross the line, um, the ethical line of, uh, of what it means to be a Christian. Uh, next question. If we turn the other cheek disputes won't be addressed. How can we combat this? Our culture doesn't allow for it and you'd be labeled a fool. Um, yeah. So I think we just need to understand the, um, the principles here, when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, what he means is don't hit that person back. Don't retaliate. Right. Again, he's not saying just stand there and keep taking swipe after swipe after swipe until the other person tires out and gets bored and walks away. Uh, nor does Jesus or 
Paul or anybody else expect that we should just let disputes go unsettled? Jesus, in fact, he gives us a, um, and the next question even talks about, you know, Matthew 18, the procedure for handling disputes between two brothers, like the procedure of going to that person and telling them their offense and, and trying to work it out between them, you know, instead of, you know, just holding a grudge in your heart and never saying anything and just always meet hating that person for the rest of your life. You got to go to that person. You got to tell them. Sometimes they don't even know that they've done wrong or have hurt you or the extent to which they've hurt you. And so you, it, it, if I'm the person who's been hurt or offended it is my response. Jesus puts the responsibility on me to go to that person. Um, now that can be obviously a little, that, that could be difficult if there's a, um, if there's a, like a power imbalance between those two individuals, like let's say that person is your boss or that person is responsible for your paycheck or that person has some kind of like authority, um, or some kind of power over you. I, I get that could be different. And so maybe you have to, um, you have to leverage the other systems that might be in place that allow you to make your grievances known, right? Like most workplaces have a grievance process. And so if, 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 uh, it, it, if it's too awkward and uncomfortable to go to your direct supervisor, but your problem is with your supervisor, then you, you know, you, you go about the other process. But anyway, so if we turn the other cheek, disputes won't be addressed. So that, that's not what we mean. Like we want to resolve disputes. We want, we want for, for mending and healing and forgiveness and reconciliation to take place every time that it's possible. Um, you know, so this person says, "Our cult, uh, how can we combat this? I, I suppose combat the idea that disputes won't be addressed. So I think we just did that, right? Let's just, let's address the disputes. Um, our culture doesn't allow for it and you'd be labeled a fool. So yeah, I, I and I'd agree if, if we never, um, if we never try to resolve a dispute, that would be foolish. So, um, I think if that's what culture is saying, I agree with that. It's just a matter, it's, it's a matter of how we go about resolving those conflicts that I think is really kind of the question. Uh, and then like I alluded to, this next person says, Matthew 18 lies out the procedure for handling disputes. This practice needs to be taught and sometimes mediated in our culture. How do we reshape that? And, uh, I, I agree. And, and there's been times when like, there's been an opportunity within the life of our church to kind of, to kind of do that. And, and, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's worked and I guess other times it, it hasn't right. Because ultimately it's up to the parties that are, that have a stake in whatever the, the issue is. Um, it's very possible that there could be this dispute between two people and the ultimate resolution of that is one person goes away from the church angry and never comes back again and just hates the church for the rest of their lives and hates that person for the rest of their lives. I mean, there's nothing we can do to, to fix or to solve that. So we're, we want to work to resolve uh, disputes as much as possible to keep the family intact, uh, recognizing that a lot of times it's going to be done imperfectly. Uh, a lot of times it's going to ultimately end in a result that is not, ideal. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it doesn't keep us or preclude us from needing to try, uh, whenever possible to do that. Uh, next question. You mentioned what we say to toddlers. What do you think this looks like when we teach our little children about what to do in conflict? Um, I don't even know if I want to answer this question cause I don't know how, um, I don't know how to manage toddlers. It's been a lot of years. My youngest is 18 years old and, um, I have no grandkids. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe Shana can chime in later on and share how to, 
Yeah, this is why they don't let me work in the early learning center program because I'd be like, I just rile the kids up, you know, try to get, um, anyway, what do you think this looks like when we teach our little children about what to do in conflict? I'm, I'm kind of joking and not joking. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think we do. I mean, there's, it, it is kind of this joke, right? Where, you know, kids getting bitten by another kid and, and the parents like finally get fed up and tired of it. And they're like, well, all right, we'll just bite him back or bite her back. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be the end of that. I don't know if that's good parenting strategy or not. I'm going to guess not. But, um, I, I think yeah, like toddlers are, they're very, 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 very little people. Um, and uh, like they are a long way from having the, their mental faculties all very well developed. And so I just, I don't know, you, you'll have to, you'll have to pass that one on to a child psychologist. But I think obviously, obviously it goes without saying, uh, do your best to model. Um, and you know, if, if you're seeing, like, let's say you have a toddler that when the toddler is interacting with other toddlers and they get hit, that they hit back. Yeah. Try to maybe help them find another remedy, um, besides retaliation. Finally, does practicing Christianity include magnanimity is quote unquote, turn the other cheek consistent with Christ's actions, including his crucifixion. So yes, uh, I think that's really kind of what the message was all about. Um, this, this, pursuit of, uh, you know, being the kind of person that has the moral fabric to extend forgiveness, uh, toward other people rather than the very opposite would be to be very, very petty and to always, um, to always try to retaliate against another person's offense. Uh, so there's some people like when I say petty, you know what I mean, right? You know somebody who, man, it's just it, it, every every little thing. I mean, they they just get the, the, in the slightest way they get their nose bent for whatever reason, and they just they can't they can't let it go. They can't dismiss it. Um, they've got to they've got to write it. Uh, they've got to let you know. And and wow, well, that's a that feels like a really heavy load. Um, of a way to live. And so we should be growing, uh, as more magnanimous kinds of people, right. Where, where we have the, um, the moral framework and robustness to, to overlook other people's faults, right. I, that's one of the ways that love is ultimately manifested, right. Love covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? It's like, well, I know that people are, they're going to sin against me constantly. They're going to get on my nerves. They're going to even, um, sometimes they might even do things that I know they did on purpose to hurt me. You know, is the response is the right response to just hurt them back so that they learn, Hey, you don't mess with this one right here. Um, or you're going to get some, you know, or is it, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best with God's help to sort of like rise above it, uh, and not, 
and, and, and not try to right every wrong or to retaliate against every offense. Um, did Jesus model this? Yes. I think the words father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really get more magnanimous than that. Uh, so, all right. Great questions. Uh, that's all we have for this week. And, um, uh, yeah, hope you have a great week and see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of My Messy Church. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to head to your app store and download the Curtis Lake Church app for easy access to all of our content. Thank you so much for joining us, and we can't wait to be with you next week.